I'm Sidvi, and I'm happy to be joined by three of our regulars, uh, Mahesh, who's uh, cornered on Twitter, Ananta, who is uh, Ananta on Twitter, and uh, Max, you can follow him on Twitter as well, Max Da Vinci. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. So, today we plan to go on a nostalgia trip uh, back to 1992 and talk about the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand um, for... Uh, uh, many of uh, many cricket fans, and I guess of a certain age, maybe even it was an iconic World Cup for several reasons. It was the first World Cup uh, where the games were played under lights. There was uh, the first time teams were wearing coloured clothing in the World Cup. There were also new regulations uh, that had come in uh, just before that, in terms of fielding restrictions and all that. Um, in a way, I think uh, you, one can look at it as an inflection point for ODIs, you know, uh, where you have uh, black and white ODIs and then you have color ODIs uh, either side of this World Cup. I mean, of course, uh, this is just uh, roughly, uh, they were, uh, uh, cricket was played in uh, white, uh, one dayers were played in white clothing much after that. But I think this can be seen as a rough inflection point. Um, and uh, even today, you, uh, <laughs> there'll be some game somewhere in the world where there'll be one guy wearing that 1992 World Cup jersey of some country, he'll be, and uh, immediately people will see that, and there'll be a severe nostalgia trip on Twitter and uh, other places where people will remember that World Cup. So I think, um, irrespective of the of uh, why, I think there remains a, a reason why there, uh, there remains uh, that World Cup remains uh, uh, pretty large in people's memories. And uh, this podcast, uh, through this podcast, uh, we plan to revisit. Uh, that tournament, the games, as well as the contests and the uh, main moments. But also, uh, we want to bring out uh, uh, some personal touches, uh, our own uh, stage in our lives, where we were, how we remember the World Cup, because uh, 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 sporting memory uh, is uh, not only uh, related to what players do on the field and what happens out there, but also has a personal touch and everyone has a unique sporting memory. So, uh, we'll also be bringing out a bit of that. So, all right, guys, with that, let's uh, get on to the podcast. And uh, maybe we can start with uh, Ananta, uh, who I, who's probably the uh, oldest on the, uh, in this group here. Uh, so what was your uh, uh, life stage then? And uh, uh, how, how do you remember that World Cup from a personal standpoint? So, uh, okay, first of all, thanks for being ageist and labeling me that as the <laughs> oldest person. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. So, like, I was in the 8th standard, I think. Um, and uh, uh, it, it was kind of a um, transition phase uh, in life where, you know, that was a point when, you know, studies was being, I mean, studies were being thrust on me. Uh, till then, till then, it was not much uh, pressure at home. But then, that's around the time people started putting pressure, and uh, you know, uh, uh, I it wasn't uh, cricket was not a very popular thing at home, um, and uh, uh, we didn't have uh, uh, a cable connection before that. But then, my brother got married. My cousin, we were living as a joint family. He got married, and 
uh, he was essentially the person that uh, got uh, uh, a cable connection at home and he forced people to get a cable connection at home uh, he was also responsible for uh, the cricket interest that i have now because he used to work in a bank and uh, pretty much every week or uh, every week the sports star used to be delivered at home and he used to be the last person that uh, took it home so he used to keep it for himself after everybody's read it so uh, he was the kind of person that uh, actually got my cricket interest in cricket for me but uh, having said that uh, uh, i remember this uh, um, world cup very fondly uh, as as you said it was probably the first uh, world cup in color um, first world cup i really saw um, on color tvs uh, prior to that we only had a black and white tv at home so 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 that is one um, and uh, it was also uh, one of those world, probably the first world cup for me uh, that i could watch snatches off uh, once i got home in the evening uh, for a few hours before my mom got home because most of i think most of the games were uh, day and nighters and uh, uh, i we could watch a few hour, at least an hour or so uh, once we got back home uh so so that was a, a nice thing a uh, couple of the interesting things happened um, i think the second or the third game of the world cup was pakistan versus west indies on a sunday i, I distinctly remember that uh, match for uh, a couple of reasons one watching uh, brian lara get retired hurt after getting hit on the uh, foot by a yorker from i believe uh, akib jawad i think because uh, that's that's what my memory tells me and uh, the same afternoon uh, some guy walked into our flat and uh, took away my cycle i mean he stole my cycle uh, bicycle that i that my dad had got for me like a couple of uh, months ago and uh, i my father was livid because one i had not locked the cycle even though it was inside i mean it was in our gate but i had not locked the cycle two i had been watching cricket when it happened yeah and and uh, this is also the time i mean uh, people that uh, uh, knew me during my school and college days will probably remember that i used to wear i mean the, uh, uh, a hat was part of my wardrobe uh, and uh, uh, the benson images uh, world cup logo i i found a hat in pondy bazaar around the time the around the time of the world cup and that was my treasured possession for almost next 2 years i used to wear it all the time so this is another another reason why this world cup is kind of close to me yeah i mean talking about benson and hedges uh, i remember that uh, it, that was huge at the time right because uh, it was sponsoring the world cup and uh, also uh, you know at that time it was pretty normal for cigarette companies to sponsor cricket uh, wills uh, sponsored 96 and then uh, you know you had and i had no idea what benson and hedges was back then i mean i i'm the uh, second oldest person on this podcast so i was um, a 10 or 11 a uh, 10 at that time i had no idea what benson and hedges, hedges was i just thought it was some uh, it, it just sounded like some fancy company but i didn't know anything about being it being a cigarette company but then i used to play cricket uh, along with a group of guys and some of them were uh, older guys some of them were uh, you know high school and uh, uh, guys who were in 11th standard 12th standard so guys who had sort of uh, already had their first cigarette and things like that and i remember during that world cup uh, benson and hedges cigarettes were really costly right in india i mean the easiest uh, for you know students to smoke was pro- probably then uh, uh bds or maybe even wills uh, or something like that but there were this group of three guys who uh, had this aspiration to smoke benson and hedges cigarettes in that during that world cup and it, that's the first time i realized what benson and hedges was and i'm like oh okay these guys are sponsoring the world cup so yeah just a 
a little tiny memory from my end. <laughs> so uh, two memories that come to my mind and both from a personal touch was, uh, one was, I mean, of course, as uh, Ananta said, I didn't watch many of the games because I was in school and I was, uh, many of the games were day night in, uh, uh, day night games. Uh, so uh, uh, timings wise, I didn't get to watch them. But uh, South Africa, Australia, that was the first match South Africa played in the World Cup. And, uh, you know, we had uh, seen South Africa play in India, where they came to India. They, they uh, played really well in one one day where they beat uh, India by chasing a big, big score in Delhi. But, uh, you know, didn't really expect them to do that well in the World Cup because, you know, they come and lost to India. So, and <laughs> India was not going to do much in the World Cup. So, where South Africa probably do worse than India was, of course, my thinking. But then they played against uh, Australia and then I was in school and then I came back and I was shocked to learn that they'd beaten Australia. And this was even more shocking because India had uh, stayed that whole Australian summer there and they had lost so many games and then suddenly South Africa comes and beats Australia. And my granddad who watched that game was so impressed that he almost gave me like a over-by-over over report. I mean, that's just my memory. Obviously, it wasn't over-by-over. Over, but he gave me such a detailed report of the match that I felt I'd seen pretty much all of it. And so all I have I have absolutely no I, I didn't watch a single ball of that match. I mean I've seen a bit of uh, clips here and there, but all my memories of my granddad telling me about South Africa's fielding and how good they were, Kepler Wessels batting and how Australia were overwhelmed and all that. And that was a heavy, heavy defeat for Australia. I mean by uh, it wasn't I mean not heavy heavy, but pretty heavy defeat. It was not a close game by any standards. And then there was that India-Australia thriller, of course, in Brisbane, which I think became a thriller because of that rain rule. If not for that rain rule, uh, uh, India would not have had that stiffer target. And then uh, my dad, who hardly you know watched cricket at the time, he was uh, watching the towards the last few parts of that world uh, that match, and uh, you know India needed uh, I think uh, four to win off the last ball or something, and which meant three to tie. And Raju was walking in as the last batsman. And uh, so basically, uh, he was not on strike. So all that Raju was walking in for was for running. He uh, he had to you know get in there. And Raju came in with pads and all geared up and all. And my dad is furious. He's like, why is this guy walking in with pads? He all he needs to do is run. He should just walk in without pads. And uh, as it happened, I mean, I didn't know then, but uh, there's no rule in cricket that says a batsman has to walk in with pads, right? He can walk in. However, like he can walk in without pads. And uh, as it happened, you know, Srinath hit that ball. Steve, uh, Steve Waugh dropped it. And uh, uh, it, then uh, this guy gets run out when they're going for the third run, when India could have tied the game. So, and that whole thing of not wearing the pads was stuck in my head because, yeah, why was he wearing pads? He probably would have made his ground if he had not worn the pads. So, yeah, these are like uh, the memories that come to my head from this uh, uh, he, one of the reasons that he did not make it for the third run is also because as soon as Srinath hit, he was when he was running, he was wildly celebrating. <laughs> when he the first run. Yeah. I distinctly remember that. So he was not, he didn't expect the ball to be caught one or at least go for go into Steve Wah's hands. Uh, he probably thought as soon as Srinath hit it and he saw the ball fly, he thought it was six and he started celebrating. He was <laughs> gesticulating widely while he ran. That's also one reason why the, the third run did not happen. Yeah, I mean, that was a really good shot, to be fair to Srinath. But those grounds were, that at that the Gaba is a big ground and, uh, you know, those days you didn't have ropes inside and all that. So, it was, 
it's pretty silly of uh, raju to celebrate so early or uh, mahesh i guess who is uh, next in line so i have very uh, in the sense that my memory of world cup is all clubbed into the whole memory of the india tour of australia so i mean that is a very weird tour also right they played one days in the beginning then they played test matches in between again they played one days and they played test matches later so it's yeah. the tall like mixer thankfully they had different jerseys so if they had same jerseys i'm sure i'll mix up my memories of the world cup with those one day matches as well so largely i went into the world cup very excited to watch david boon i was madly like uh, yeah, you know in love with david boon so to say because the way the guy was square cutting just just Uh, captured my imagination that was a, probably the first time i was watching uh, cricket fully understanding the rules so to say i had watched it before with my family with my brothers but even then my brothers were a big influence on on the way i was watching cricket like even before i could see a single ball of dean jones i already knew he was this great one day batsman because my brother said so i i, I had no idea at that time that he was a great one day batsman so for instance when he was playing against chas in uh, in the world cup uh i think he hit a couple of sixes or at least one six that i remember very well i was like boss i have never seen anything like this before so uh, so i was finding validation for a lot of things that i heard from others uh, especially uh, my brother who was 7 years older to be so in the sense it was really a world cup which is a, which is a very family experience for me it was just all of us sitting together talking and and kind of sharing with each other of their opinions and their facts and knowledge some of the stats that my brother would throw at me will kind of stump me and the other thing that i remember distinctly is following zimbabwe very closely for some reason whenever we used to play book cricket during those times i always chose zimbabwe i don't know why but i just liked the like choosing zimbabwe for book cricket as much so i was very fascinated with was watching zimbabwe as well i remember we uh, woke up quite early for the india zimbabwe match because that happened in new zealand if i'm not wrong and hamilton actually oh yeah that was a very good match actually yeah, even though it was there was rain thrilling match yeah, yeah yeah so we got up and i was very thrilled to watch zimbabwe play against india and i think uh, our zimbabwe india match was a little after the zimbabwe sri lanka match which uh, i don't remember watching but we were listening to on radio I don't know why we were listening to on radio. I have no memory. Did we have satellite television at that time, or were it all telecast on Doordarshan? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure there was a lot shown on. I saw a lot on DD. I'm not sure if uh, we had the Prime Sports by then. Yeah, even I'm not sure. It's all very vague. No, and we had Prime Sports. We had Prime Sports, and uh, for a long time after that World Cup, Prime Sports used to show like uh, 4 p.m. in the afternoon, in the evening. They used to show like half-hour highlights. of key games and that was part of the standard programming on a daily basis possible but i remember i mean watching a lot of the highlights and they used to have that program called world this week and and there's one more called sports something for basically a, a catch up of what happened in the sporting world for the last week in doordarshan world this week was hosted by pranay roy of course and there was similar program for sports i forgot anyway coming back to the india zimbabwe one i i was very excited and and we all got up in the morning uh, me my dad my brothers everybody and i was more like excited for zimbabwe because i had heard these names and they sounded so you know so unique and exotic to me I, and i was so disappointed that there was a bit of a rain delay and uh, and I, i those days you don't really get to know the status like the way you do now right it's not like they're showing live telecast throughout there's one update you get and that's about it and after a bit of a delay i, I remember couple day walked out to open and and he hit a six like of edu brandes if i'm not wrong it's like my memory of hamilton is that that's my first memory of a city called hamilton since then till now when anybody enters you know utters the word hamilton the first image that comes back to my mind is that kapil dev six it was interesting this kapil dev thing is that uh, you know the whole by then uh, mark greatbatch had really uh, lit up that 
a World Cup, right? By opening and pinch hitting and all that. I think uh, you know, with and then Ian Botham had uh, opened for England, and so all these teams were trying to send like their big hitter up now. And Kapil Dev was the Indian experiment, uh, who was actually supposed to also open against Sri Lanka. Another uh, place, uh, Mekke, which the only only connection I have with that place is this India Sri Lanka match where uh, basically some two balls were bowled or something, or one ball was bowled, uh, and it was rained out. And Kapil Dev and Srikanth opened, and so there was big anticipation there. And then he opened in this game, and of course this Zimbabwe connection was of course with Kapil with Tunbridge Wells, and everyone was saying, okay, maybe he'll open and make another like a big hundred and all that, and then he gets up the LBW for ten. So Srikanth's name is uh, linked to Mekke forever because he scored the only run international runs in that ground. Yeah, exactly. Only two balls were bowled. Two balls. Two balls. Yeah. Yeah. Among the many, many. Uh... First in Srikanth's career. So, uh, uh, Srikanth, right? I didn't realize he played only five matches in this World Cup. He had a very on and off World Series Cup prior to the World Cup. And uh, he had very good games, very bad games. But this World Cup was a big washout for him. But I thought he did reasonably well in the Tri-Series before. It, it was still a, a up and down series for him. Because he had, I think, two fifties and like two forties or something. But... He had a couple of single-digit scores as well. Uh, he still finished with like 30-odd average in that, if I remember right. Because I, Srikanth was one of my favourite cricketers. 30-odd average is quite uh, substantial during those seasons. Correct. So, Srikanth was one of my favourite cricketers at that point. But the 92 World Cup, uh, that I think that was the end, right? After, he didn't play after that. But uh, Srikanth, I, I mean, uh, Srikanth, of course, uh, through that uh, whole summer, it was like his sniffing got even more pronounced with every game. <laughs> you know that looking up to the sky and sniffling and that uh, doing that uh, walking to square leg, that, uh, walking to square leg, that famous tick that he had. Yeah, yeah. I'd of course seen that before. That was a famous Shrikan move, but it just seemed that 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 particular summer. He was doing it like uh, out of vengeance, almost like okay. Maybe he liked watching himself on the Channel Nine coverage so much. <laughs> it, he thought it looked cool. In fact, uh, I remember Ravina Tandon in one of the interviews uh, when she was asked about uh, in one of those '83 World Cup celebratory videos was asked who's your favorite Indian cricketer growing up, and she mentioned Srikanth, and she mentioned Srikanth precisely for these reasons, especially for his mannerisms, the way. He moved around the crease, looked at the sun, and and did something with his nose, like sniffing and stuff. There was there was a lot going on with him. I mean, it was like uh, I mean back then, my uh, uh, for those who know, uh, you know the <laughs> mandrams, they'll know that my my granddad used to keep saying that in the Srikanth, when the Achudayanama, Anandayanama, Govindayanama has to finish that whole thing, and only then he has to start batting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and of course, Srikant again, that famous, that match against New Zealand, uh, where, uh, you know, Deepak Patel opens the bowling. And of course, Srikant against spin was like, uh, you know, Virendra Sevag against spin almost. But, that uh, was, uh, what, Rod Latham catches Rod Latham. Rod yeah, Latham. Only fielder in the deep. <laughs> yeah, so that was the other memory. And everyone was like, oh, no. And I think uh, he, he made a duck, right? So, uh, people yeah. were that he would make, uh, you know, he would use the field restrictions and go after the spinner and all that. And then he's just gone. I mean, I sometimes in retrospect, you know, I just wonder, instead of that Kapil Dev experiment that they did, Kapil was obviously uh, the most logical choice. But imagine if they tried Sachin then and not in 94, maybe yeah. India would have gone a little further ahead in that World Cup. Yeah, possible. He had a couple of good games as well. He had a good tri-series before. He had a good tri-series and he was, he, it just seemed that he wasn't getting enough balls, right? It, like, like he always had to come in too late. Number six, I think. Yeah, then gradually moved to number four and uh, in the World Cup, he, he batted played. four in some games. Yeah, four and five he was batting, yeah. Max, uh, Max. we don't want to uh, 
silence you please say something <laughs> uh no for me the 92 world cup was probably my first memory of you know proper watching a full game of cricket i mean i've seen only you know videos or something until then but i've never sat and watched a full game like waking up early early in the morning and watching a full game before going to school or on weekend for watching the entire game i think and some days there were even two games so watching it all the way from like 2 in the morning to like 2 in the afternoon or 3 in the afternoon this was my first time ever watching a proper odi game and again it was in colored clothing and i was totally wowed at what the hell is this you know so new to me and i think i was like second standard or something so i, I was just soaking in which is why those i i might have watched let's say maybe like eight or nine games fully but those eight or nine games i can i can recollect even now as if i just watched it the highlights now on youtube and so that's why this world cup is always very special to me for me new zealand was my team and i was just amazed by the way great batch and deepak patel and it was, it was so such a game changing this had a lot of close games at least that's how my memory serves at that time you know and i i was not like oh india fan or this fan or thing so I, for me it was just the game i i, I just understood the game so as long as the game was close i was hope which is why for me i i recollect having the maximum number of close games in this world cup and very few one siders and of course and there were quiz questions later for the whole most productive over uh, theory of calculating the rain out games versus the average run score over which is before so a lot of quiz questions also came out of this interesting that you talk about uh, close games because that day i was just doing a little bit of uh, i was just looking at all the results from uh, comparing 87 to 92 and <clears throat> it's amazing how many close games 87 had compared to 92 and i'm talking like nail biters like i'm talking one run and one wicket and you know like uh, games that went to like the very end compared to 92 which did have a few close games i mean india australia was one run and all that but overall if you look at it the, it wasn't that close of course it wasn't one that one sided either um, there were there were games which were in the sort of mid range uh, in terms of uh, results if you see new zealand they hardly apart from the semi final uh which got really close at one point they didn't really get into too many close situations similarly with england i mean they lost to zimbabwe but apart from that there was that india game which was pretty close but apart from that you know uh, england won many of their games pretty uh outright so yeah i'm just saying that um, even in my head it was exactly as what max was saying that there were quite a few close games but i i guess if you compare across world cups it will be interesting to see which world cup had the um, most thrilling set of games for well, 87 and below is blanked out because you know i was in diapers in 87 so <laughs> i i cannot even say come on you didn't have diapers back then <laughs> liar liar well i guess uh, we we, uh, we we may sound all sound like uh, you know kids talking about a grand event but uh, we'll we'll make sure to get uh, people of different ages to talk about other world cups as well so <laughs> so that we get different perspectives but i want to get to uh, one point about why i mean it's probably true with your friend circle as well it's definitely true with mine that this is by by and large the most favorite world cup for many people in my circle and my um, among my group of friends why is this i mean is it just because of the novelty factor or is there something else or is it just because of life stage or is there anything that you guys can think of 
I think it's got to do with uh, life stage and the novelty factor, like colored, colored cricket, uh, day night cricket, and yeah. also uh, like for me, it is my first uh, you know initiation almost, which is why it's so special for me. Now, for you guys, since you guys were maybe you know a little older, you you guys must remember more about this because you know you know more about the game and all that. I was just sitting and watching since early in the morning because with my dad, so. Uh, I not I don't remember a lot of the understanding of a lot of the things, but I just remember watching. And it, it's it's from this time is when I first saw Chris Harris, and I've never liked him until <laughs> to the day he retired. I always thought that, uh, and same thing happened to Ishaan Bukhari. No one would ever pick Chris Harris, and it, the our rule would be that if you lose two games, then next time in your book in your team you have to have Chris Harris. <laughs> okay, uh, you guys had book cricket. I mean, we had the equivalent in terms of uh, when we were playing on the ground. Uh, that in, in, around that World Cup was when. Uh, uh, we started playing like uh, often um, when there was only two guys uh, you would play like each guy would play like a full team so you know suppose i i i, I was playing i was playing new zealand and the other guy was playing say australia or south africa so then you had to bowl like uh, all the bowlers right so you bowl uh, one over like chris harris one over like gavin larson and one over like this one over like that and um, you know i used to be a pretty bad bowler back then i mean i hardly could get the ball to the other end but yeah when whenever uh, some guys used to hit gavin larson i used to get damn angry because i used to be like what the hell you're not supposed to hit gavin larson and you're hitting him why are you hitting him he's supposed to be restrictive and they're like no no it's nothing to do with gavin larson it's to do with your shit bowling so don't worry so i i assume that when you bowl like a bowler they would treat you like they would treat the, the bat, <laughs> actual bowler so yeah that was uh, quite nice so did you also bat like the respective positions like if you had to like if you were number 11 and if you are curtney walsh do you also oh yeah 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 you have to bat like walsh you so you okay. have to you have to uh, imitate that player so yeah like uh, walsh can't suddenly start playing like forward defensive uh, you know really well and all you have to just uh, play as if you're swinging interesting so, i like this format yeah yeah this used to be damn popular during the day for during the day there used to be not that many people only in the evenings the whole group will come uh, so during the day in the, especially if it's like holidays and all there just be two guys so you play team against you can kill a lot of time through the day as well coming back to that uh, the point though mahesh and ananta do you have any other uh, reasons why this is so or is it just our uh, group is uh, our age and maybe there are people older and younger who don't really not just our group in fact i mean our group is understandable because it is a first colored world cup with channel 9 coverage and it's like a really nice format and pakistan coming from nowhere to win the world cup you know great story and some really good bowling performances as well so i mean i can understand why a certain age group likes uh, this world cup uh, let's say compared to 96 for instance but there's a larger consensus around this being if not the best world cup but just like a great great world cup right? and i think a lot of that has to do with, with the format with the with the nine teams playing each other uh, rather than round robin and, and going around it so that kind of gave a sense of depth to the format big factor more than innovation is one day cricket at large in those australian big grounds were always good to watch you think about 85 you think about even the the tri series that they played every year till in fact um, i don't know how many i'm sure it's, it's the same for all of us that we we were watching every match of the tri series even when india was not playing there was that iconic uh, west indies pakistan australia tri series in which afridi kind of announced himself yeah much later there was that uh, Australia New Zealand and uh, South Africa were uh, oh yeah where there were some splendid matches so the large grounds lent itself to one day cricket very nicely uh, it kind of tilted the balance more in favor of the bowlers uh, i think that has a lot to do with it as well and i also feel it's the tv coverage you know because uh, somehow in my memory it seems that uh, 
you know when i think of 87 or when i think of watching cricket india not only in india even when uh, th- there was always like uh, uh, poor transmission or the, there was uh, the coverage wasn't high quality in my memory maybe i'm totally wrong but that world cup somehow seems that uh, there were very few interruptions and quality of the images were really good and uh, or maybe just because it was color i'm not sure there was something about the tv experience as well my only okay. problem with that uh, with that conclusion or with that uh, reasoning is that while for the world cup it's a new experience for cricket at large it's not right i mean just a month back they were playing pretty much in the same ground with the same colored clothing with the same quality of tv coverage and and commentary as well we are not you know that can't be the line where we draw saying this is when it started because at least cricket in australia was like that even without the world yeah yeah sure i don't think uh, in fact i think uh, i don't think the world cup uh, is as beloved in australia as it is in other parts for that same reason because they have seen many of this for them it's not novelty as much as it was for us in the world cup scheme of so so personally right so i i think uh, as sidhu is saying it is not new for australia but it's certainly new for us again we have also seen parts of this uh, in 85 during the you know uh, world championship of cricket i think which also had good coverage in india because uh, of it being a tour uh, but uh personally speaking this world cup is kind of uh, uh etched in my mind uh purely because this is probably the first world cup for me where i had a ton of repeat watching of these matches even if it means just the highlights right so i was i was just just like i was saying uh, earlier um after the world cup for the next one year or so when uh, we had uh, the uh, uh, prime sports uh, highlights package literally every day so i must have watched that australia india uh, uh, highlights so many different times uh, so to me also the clothing was a big draw i i still think this is the best ever team sure. colors that we have had jersey colors that we have had not just for india for everybody for that matter that and the grounds being what they are i mean australia has always been a, a good location for cricket watching on tv at least because because the the, the coverage is so good the colors are so vibrant through up its own surprises right i mean so many surprises like uh, australia mm-hmm. didn't do as well as they would have probably been expected to at home in a home world cup especially after mm. winning the previous edition and uh, you know being a pretty good side uh, for that uh, time uh, and then new zealand throw up this huge surprise by doing so well uh, of course we had the the pakistan story towards the latter stages you and south africa coming in for the first time and then doing uh, giving such a good account of themselves i think all that was uh, adds to it as well the, the surprise factors that came in with the world talking of new zealand i don't remember this particularly well i mean they, i remember the the fact that they had a phenomenal world cup and uh, to me i was i mean although i loved pakistan at that time uh, i was really disappointed that new zealand couldn't go on to win the world cup because they had such a phenomenal run Uh, but did you sense like with sri lanka for instance in 96 uh, after the the tri series performance and uh, not necessarily they did they did not they did not win but there was there was some hints of what is to come if you were watching new zealand prior to that world cup did you have any sense of the fact that they they, they were going to go on on this impressive run no i i don't even remember watching much of new zealand before that world cup i mean i i don't know why because uh, maybe uh i don't even know which series they played honestly but maybe because uh we didn't get the coverage or i just wasn't uh, clued in enough uh okay. that was a surprise for me at the time uh, definitely i mean we all knew new zealand were a good team they weren't like uh, 
you know they weren't as if they were kenya in 96 or something but still for new zealand to be winning game after game after game was a surprise for me definitely and also i think the the tactical points right i mean i, I mean of course a lot of it may be revisionism i mean i haven't really checked every single one of deepa patel's spells and whether he actually bowled some uh, uh, phenomenal spells I'm, i'm pretty sure he took some very important wickets uh, at the top of the order and somehow he seemed to throw opponents off their guard uh, but uh, of course uh, they, they you could well make a statistical analysis that uh, everything about deepak patel is over is uh, all overstated and all that but the fact is that these were surprises that were adding to the story and great batch again i mean it's not like great batch came and made a a 40 ball 100 or anything at any point of time but still you know that mark great batch who who had made like who the the only thing that i associated with mark great batch till then was that great uh, dead batting uh, stonewalling innings he had made at perth in uh, the late 80s to draw new zealand a match and that was a big deal because uh, there was a lot of coverage in uh, sports star and uh, hindu about that and uh, it was like mark great batch till then and then he comes and he's promoted and he suddenly starts and this is a big guy right like he's he he was massive uh, both in bulk as well as in height he starts belting everyone with that left handed style it was, a, it was amazing man crow actually had a much better tournament than, than great batch but oh, great yeah. batch is more etched in memories because of the number of sixes he was hitting they played mostly in new zealand fully in new zealand they even didn't play so much yep. even even australia against australia they played in new zealand yeah, yeah. No, even the semi final was in new zealand i don't think they played any match in australia no they didn't let me try and exploit the rule he was straight away you know fully conscious of what that means and he was he was acting on it so it's not like a trial and error that he arrived at by by almost uh, uh, luck he, it was a very direct response to a change in the uh, uh, rules of the game yeah but it was still a response that not many others went to with right i mean it's not like uh, sri lanka opened with arvinda i mean botham was definitely one a sort of uh, guy they asked but every other team was doing the traditional thing especially pakistan won the world cup i mean had ramiz raja at the top just playing pretty much like you would play a test match until uh, the new ball uh, lost its shine true, true. no no i'm giving him credit i'm i'm comparing some of the other things that martin trout did and this this was a very tactical and conscious tactical call deepak patel could have been a gamble right it may have worked may not have worked if shrikant had hit him for four sixes and he never returned that's a different story but great batch was a i mean in the sense that he was a captain who was already tuned on to how one day cricket is going to shape into he like, was he was he was and 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 also the bowling attack i think uh, the fact that he decided to go with four of those uh, dip- Bleedobly bowlers. I mean, that also was tactical thing, right? I mean, he went with uh, Danny Morrison uh, and Deepak Patel at, at two ends of the extreme. That was uh, something else that um, many teams weren't doing there. True, and to leap from the front, what a phenomenal World Cup he had! And and the, I remember distinctly the experience of watching cricket in Australia and New Zealand was so contrasting. Although there's a lot of commonality as well, but grounds are smaller, the crowds are more vibrant. and and one of the lasting images of the world cup is how crowds used to throng the stadium even before the last winning run could be hit and martin crow running away from the crowd oh yeah 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 and for me personally i don't know about uh, you each one can probably list their preference but that new zealand jersey is my all time favorite in that world cup i mean i if uh, if i had to choose one it would be the new zealand jersey what about you guys yeah i always loved the font and i i remember uh, not doing that but later much later uh, crow had uh, i don't know if it was an article or an interview that he had given where he said 
uh, he confessed that how he kind of fucked up that entire semi-final because uh, he had thought that uh, it was going to rain, like the which is why they batted first, and then he didn't come out to field, and he sent John Wright. John Wright was the acting captain on field because he thought it's only going to rain, the match is going to get cut short, and I'll, I'll just take some rest. I think he had he had pulled a muscle or something. Oh. And then they also the physio told him that uh, if you go out there now, there's a good chance that I mean there are chances of playing in the final. Yeah, are almost nil, and Martin Crow assumed that uh, these guys are definitely going to go to the final, and he didn't want to miss the final. Uh, and then he says, "This is that's the biggest regret that I didn't go out there and lead the team on the field, assuming that we would make the final." Right, and, and the one thing that struck me the most in that uh, interview was how he, had, he he said that he had actually laid out plan for the entire fifty overs. He had planned out all the bowling changes for the entire fifty overs before the start itself. And he had told John Wright, "Key, you know, better do this, do this, do this." But then John Wright went out there and he used his own uh, plans of uh, attacking with Morrison and then delaying Harris and so on. And which is why, you know, and but then Crow still says, "You know, I still it's still my fault, even though I changed my plans, but I should have been there and not." But I was fascinated, and I've always thought thought of that whenever now when now when I captain teams. I always think of that how he had made plans. So he had made plans apparently that uh, Inzi would come, and so in the first four overs that of Inzi, we have to bowl out, we have to bowl Harris or someone at him so that he we can get those overs out before we load up on him uh, once he's set in and things like that. He had thought of, and I was surprised that you know now yeah we have so much technology and you know people lay out plans and say okay to Rishabh Pant you have to bowl here to to Andrew Russell you have to bowl here and all that. But in '92 without that much of footage and all that, he had laid out plans for the entire 50 overs, at least in the semi-final is what he had said. But it's a little tricky, right? First of all, I mean, he was the first captain who was alert to the dynamism of the format and how the rule change is going to bring in more dynamism. But I think Martin Martin Crow did write a piece for Cricket for much later, like just around the 2015 World Cup, talking about that and how he lived on to regret uh, not taking the field. Yeah. And and he kind of clarifies saying my issue is not so much with John Wright uh, captaining, but more like I, even if he had lost, I should have been there and lost. So that would have given me a closure. The fact that I have to live with this thought that what if I had been on the field and that would have helped, which is what, you know, kept me uh, hooked on to that, that regret for, for much longer. Yeah, I think he wrote that uh, after New Zealand, uh, before the New Zealand-South Africa semi-final in... Uh, in yeah, correct, correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. a like an like an open letter to this guy, is it or uh, was it yeah, to an open letter to McCallum or something like that? McCallum kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And isn't isn't uh, 2015 very similar for New Zealand in that sense that uh, except for the final, they played all the matches at home, right? Yeah, they did. Correct. So they they basically took one step forward and went on to play a match in Australia, and then they, and that they lost in the first over itself. They lost in the first ball. Yeah, first over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but Martin Crow. Yeah, I mean, I I remember there was one innings against that he, that New Zealand Zimbabwe match. He played quite like a berserk. I mean, he went berserk. Uh, it was a cut shot by rain, and he made like some. He made probably 18, 40 odd balls. Was uh, the the thing was that it wasn't like mad hitting or something. It was pretty clean Martin Crow stroke play, but mm-hmm. he was just connecting every ball and it was timing was so good, placement was so good, everything was just going, and uh, that was I mean it was uh, not the strongest of sides, but still I mean you know <laughs> at that time. To see an innings at nearly 200 strike rate was quite something. So, in a way, it's similar to the, the 96 story, right? You have people talking about Jayasuriya, but Aravinda was the man who, who really propelled uh, Sri Lanka. 
and here a lot of people talk about great batch and but of course in the the 96 jaisura coverage is a little more disproportionate and a little more unfair than this because well, you have jaisura got the man of the tournament in 96 but uh, luckily martin crow got the man of the tournament in 92 so i think uh, that is what is uh, most uh, glaring right i mean it's not just what people remember and i think most people who remember great batch will concede that that was martin crow's tournament after all great batch yeah, was correct. Like there's a, no narrative fallacy around it it's just uh, people kind of come to sense senses quite immediately yeah true yeah so uh, in terms of other games i mean i, I just spoke of uh, new zealand zimbabwe but it's amazing how the the number of games that became thrilling or in the end the semi final that became farcical because of the rain rule right i mean you had so many of these games that suddenly you had the chasing team having to do some ridiculously crazy targets i was thinking about it now before uh, i was just taking some scorecards and i realized why is why are they playing cricket in march in australia and then and then i went back and and figure out when did they start that uh, you know original tri series and the india test series as well so this was a season where cricket was going on from november till march yeah it was an australia were playing through it and india also were playing through it no wonder there were so many rain delays or whatever because during summer you don't get that many breaks and we watch every summer we don't see so many rain interruptions and you know so that was like today i learned kind of a moment for me i was like oh yeah that must have been a really long summer it's never struck me before like of <clears throat> of all the games we have spoken like india zimbabwe one game that we spoke of was a rain, a rain delay india australia was rain delay New Zealand Zimbabwe was rain delay there was a of course there was the famous uh, England Pakistan game which was washed out thankfully for Pakistan uh there was that uh, Pakistan South Africa game if i'm not mistaken which had a revised India Sri Lanka didn't happen at all the India Sri Lanka one was where uh, the helicopter was used right first time ever uh, they brought a helicopter to try the pitch yeah see India Australia West Indies as well right all three teams were pretty much playing with the same team composition throughout the uh, summer right not many not many individual players changed from squad to squad the crazy part is the india australia series first they had the one dayers then they went into the tests then they had one dayers tri series the tri series that's what the tri series yeah then again the world cup so this was such a transition man i don't think this kind of a thing would ever happen anymore and it strikes me the number of uh, uh, you know a medium pace gentle bowlers who uh, and not so gentle but you know not like express quick who did well in that world cup i mean you had the whole new zealand quartet who did well you had uh, this bowler merrick pringle i mean he was yeah, pretty yeah. quick but he wasn't like i i don't know was he as quick as donald i don't think so right no 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 yeah he was more medium pace then there was yeah. edo brandes of course who came edo brandes had a very good world cup he had a fantastic it. world cup and uh, even like the england you had dermot reeve and uh, guys like that chris lewis england, england had a pretty good bowling attack there was pringle defreters gladstone small botham botham and dermot reeve yeah botham was having actually a pretty good world cup with the ball at that time yeah. even though he was well past his prime <laughs> as a bowler wasim uh, you know took over the final but uh, and he was quick of course but apart from that you know i'm even i i'm even i'm just looking at the stats and i'm even seeing the name chandika hathurasinghe who took 4 for 57 against west indies i'm like oh, wow then you remember that <laughs> i don't remember that at all in fact i don't remember hathurasinghe playing that world cup at all i remember hathurasinghe from much later wow wow i mean sri lanka had a bit of an upset in that uh, they, they they had a couple of good games right in that world cup but overall they were pretty disappointing overall yeah i guess 
the only Srilanka oh, game I remember in the World Cup is the one against West Indies because they scored both teams scored three hundred mm. and no no that's not West Indies that's oh, no Zimbabwe Zimbabwe sorry Zimbabwe yeah um, yeah they had to chase three hundred and they did that and I remember all the boys in the colony were you know saying oh three hundred man three hundred I didn't know what it meant. But, that was the first time, right? First time a trainer was being chased in one day. Yeah, and everyone in the colony was super crazy about it. Like, man, this was the greatest game I've seen, and so on. And that's why I remember that a lot. And but later, get, uh, during highlights, you know, I watch that again. Sorry, Mahesh. I'm saying, well, was it telecast? Because I, uh, it's a question that have, that has you know bugged me quite a bit for over the years. In fact, very recently, just a. Uh, About a year back, somebody shared that on uh, Twitter, a YouTube video of that game, and there was the first time I've seen videos of that, and I was so devastated to learn it's such a small cricket ground, you know. The whole <laughs> thing, I was so devastated. It's a small ground, man. That, that those runs are worth two fifty, not three twelve, not even two fifty, I would say. And I never the 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 only thing I sort of uh, until then, uh, like just like you mentioned about Hamilton and uh, that the moment that you uh, connect with, if uh, you know New Plymouth. This is the only thing that I had any connection with New Plymouth, right? And yeah. whenever I think of this uh, New Plymouth, or uh, I just think of this game, and then you, this uh, this game, the first thing that comes to my mind is this Atulas Samarasekara, who made that seventy-five, uh, uh, the batting seventy out opening the batting, and I'm like, first of all, one team scores three hundred, and then these guys chase it with a guy Atulas Samarasekara opening the batting. I'm like, what the hell happened there, man? <laughs> Something seriously crazy is going on there. So, do you guys remember watching that at that time? Because I have no, I, I have not watched it years. I do not remember watching it. Not everyone in the building in the colony spoke. I remember watching the highlights, um, you know, the week later or something like that. So, you remember watching the highlights? So, it, which means it was broadcast. Yeah, I remember watching okay. the highlights because that's when uh, I first uh, remember the word uh, tricos, and we used to try to bowl like him. The tricos, not tricos. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and actually, a lot of those guys in that Zimbabwe team, you know, they uh, all played for a long time. I mean, uh, Dave Horton, Andy Pycroft, uh, tricos, uh, Waller, Arnott. I mean that was a really like I mean that was the CSK of 2000, 1992 I guess. Flower, <laughs> flower, flower was there. Oh yeah, yeah, flower, flower was there. Brand, I mean, and I, all flower of them scored a hundred in this game, no? The one that we are talking about, he scored a hundred. Yeah, he scored a hundred. Okay. Yeah. And all of them pretty much played the 87 World Cup, and uh, in 87 as well, Zimbabwe, you know, had a couple of uh, really good performances. I mean, they again made a big score against New Zealand in Hyderabad. Uh, had a you know had had a good. Sort of made a good impression. I won't say had a good World Cup, but made a good impression. So it was good to see like the same players again and against India. This guy Ali Shah came and just hammered the Indian. Yeah, yeah. Good that left left-handed sort of elegance he had about. Yeah. Speaking of left-handed elegance, this was Lara's first World Cup, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. definitely. And he was an opener, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He opened. He opened. That's so. That's that's one distinct game that I remember. The Pakistan uh, West Indies game. Uh, so saying, he was one of the match, right? Yeah, 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 he retired hurt, but he he still got the man of the match. But again, so that that I I don't know whether he lit up the World Cup or anything, but that was a, that was that was his first World Cup. No, he didn't do I'm much actually. He, uh, I mean, West Indies overall were pretty um, tepid in that World Cup. I mean, they they started well, but uh, I don't think they really lived up to what was expected of them after that. Yeah, Lara, I mean, I guess. He had a. I mean, I guess what he did after that so eclipsed what he did in this World Cup. That uh, it has it isn't really remembered, 
but maybe by the if you look at the west indies stats from that particular world cup for all you know he's probably the leading run scorer or something who knows ஜிலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீலாந்தீ
you know, when they beat New Zealand in the league game, it was a big deal. And, you know, we were all talking about it and we were, uh, you know, talking about the semi-final. And then that miraculous victory in the semi-final, I remember like going crazy, like watching it. And I was like pumping my fists and I was really so happy that Pakistan, I mean, I love New Zealand. As I said, I love their jersey. I love Martin Crowe, everything. But just to see that Pakistan chase, I mean, by the 1992 standards, what Miandad and Inzamam pulled off was quite phenomenal. I mean, Miandad was the more sedate partner, but Inzamam just unleashed some craziness. Man. Yeah, they were 140 for four or something, right? When Miandad, when um, Ijaz Ahmed got out? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I can look up the scorecard now, but all I remember is it was by 1992 standards, you could call that like a, by what it would now be like a 12 and over or 13 and over kind of an ask. <laughs> that was the kind of uh, ask that they were up against. Insane. Yeah, but everybody talks about Inzi's performance in those couple of games, right? Towards the end. But looks like Mianda had a consist very good World Cup. He had like five fifties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and that was one reason why uh, I mean, yeah, uh, the rain affected games and all that, but that was one reason why they went that far. And I don't think I'm I'm pretty sure, I mean, knowing that Imran retired soon after the World Cup or at, at the end of the World Cup, and uh, they were not in good terms. Miranda, then all that happening in that World Cup was great. I mean, it was... But, but Miranda is not right. to be like that, Imran, right? Imran, Imran had retired before the World Cup and then he came back saying, I will do this World Cup and play the World Cup and then retired again, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was basically... Uh, this was his... He said this will be his swan song. Yeah. Uh, Miranda, also, there's that famous thing at the end of the... and the presentation ceremony where Miranda was pissed off that Imran just went on to uh, sort of... Uh, uh, you know, talk about this cancer hospital and talk about everything and it's rather than talk about the team itself. So, and Miyandad has told uh, everyone possible about how pissed off he is with that. Yeah, but all that, do you remember watching the presentation? Because I remember the Ramiz oh. Raza catch at the end and then we were all like jumping up in joy. At least some of us, there was a, like some of the other guys who were strongly anti-Pakistan for some reason. So, I don't remember watching the presentation ceremony or even him oh. kind of holding the cup or whatever. You know, something about that uh, attack, I mean, you had uh, everything ranging from the sublime to the ridiculous, right? I mean, you had uh, bowlers like uh, Iqbal Sikandar. I, if I, do you guys remember him? And then you had, uh, I think Iqbal Sikandar might have even played against India in that match. And no, they had a fifth bowler problem, no? Amir Sohel bowled. Um, I remember some a lot of games, Amir Sohel was bowling. Salim Malik, I think, also bowled. <laughs> Legendary dibbly dobbly from Pakistan, Salim Malik. Yeah, I'm not. I, I was in the Indian game. I'm not sure. I remember watching Salim Malik bowl. Pretty pathetic to watch. But yeah, they had that fifth bowl problem. But still, they because the Akib, Akram, and Mushtaq were so phenomenal. You know, they were able to because Imran Khan also was. You know, he wasn't great or anything with the ball. He was quite poor actually. Yeah, he was quite poor, and they didn't have Wakar in that World Cup. So actually, you know, <laughs> looking at the lineup, I mean, by Pakistan standards, that was actually a. Pretty weak bowling attack. I mean, so still to have to have won the World Cup, it shows the kind of magic that they could conjure as and when it was required. The other thing I remember was that in the in the final, it was like in how completely different it was from 96, right? It was 92 final. It's like Imran and Javed just decided to absolutely chill out in the early overs. Like they lost some wickets, and then these two guys are like just just tuk-tuk, like classic tuk-tuk. Because they're almost like they're thinking, okay, Inzamam is going to come and then we'll, he'll take care of it. It's like, okay, let's just chill for, for 20 overs. 
Well, that's why they're playing throughout the World Cup, actually. Even before Inzi kind of uh, fired up in the semi-finals. Predominantly, Vayun and Imran came up every time. He was just consolidating to begin with. But wasn't yeah. the final about Akram more than uh, Inzi? Inzi? Both Inzi and Akram. Okay. Yeah, Akram right in the end. And then Inzi also, like, uh, I think Inzi might have made the... Uh, yeah, I mean, they got to 249, I remember. And yeah, that he finishes off the flourish. And... Uh, in fact, even Mushi bowls quite well, right? In fact, that was the first time I learned what is a googly. The, the googly that he bowls, if I'm not Graham Hick, where he gets LBW. Uh, oh, that was a fantastic ball. Yeah. But but the thing is, I mean, uh, I, I just uh, went back to that uh, semi-final and Pakistan needed 123 in 15 overs, right? Now that by 1992 standards, you're looking at eight and over with six in hand. I mean, and against New Zealand, who had like been near unbeaten through the World Cup. That was something. I mean, for to watch those last 15 overs, it was insane. That was like <laughs> crazy. But but 90, but talking about the 92 World Cup final itself, I mean, England England were in a pretty good position with uh, Lamb and Fairbrother in there, right? I mean, they were, they were, I wouldn't say cruising, but they were close to that. True, true. Yeah, so again, I mean, it's... Uh, there no, is so no... Talk, thinking of that, uh, so to when, when Imran calls back um, Vasim in like, what, 36th over or something? Uh, yeah. The reason why, I mean, I distinctly remember the way he gets uh, uh, both them out in the first uh, spell with the new ball. And in fact, even that's a similar delivery in terms of line and length. Right? These two wickets, I'm thinking it's it's almost impossible with, with the later restriction, uh, later conditions that we had of using one ball in both ends. But because they were using two new balls, this is still relatively, you know, good shape for Akram to come and kind of get that purchase from the wicket. And and also, I think, uh, you know, the the fact that uh, he told him, suppose Imran supposedly tells him that, you know, forget about, yeah. go for wickets, forget about runs and all that. I mean, add, adds to that whole aura around those two balls. I mean, of course, the two balls themselves speak for themselves. Like, yeah. absolutely just, I mean, I prefer the. I mean, for me personally, the lamb, the lamb ball is just uh, number one. I think the Lewis ball might have uh, Lewis helped it along with an edge, but the lamb ball was just something. And and here you're talking about a guy who's batting on uh, 30, 31, and uh, he's uh, you know one of the really experienced one-day players. Oh man, <laughs> it's like you you got to have. Like dream, he, you dreamed it up and thought it like a million times, and he then bowls it. Damn! Talking of capturing those clutch moments, <laughs> <laughs> this is peak, right? I mean, it's like fantasy, right? I mean, that's why you often think of. Imagine being like, like, like being that Wazi Makram fan who's like watched him from when he was a kid. I mean, not even a fan. Like, imagine like. Wazi Makram's childhood coach or Wazi Makram's, you know, like the guy who first saw Wazi Makram play cricket and spotted him and said, this guy can play in the under-11s or something and watching. And imagine that guy sitting and watching that ball. Like, dude, that's it. Like, your life is peaked. <laughs> Stop. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, only for Wazi Makram, it could get better from there. Exactly. It gets better also. <laughs> Like, yeah, you, you have to be a Vasi Makram to be. I mean, otherwise, you will be a Jogindra Sharma, right? It's almost like, I mean, for us, for me, it was from that, I mean, until that moment, Akram was obviously, like, phenomenal. But I think after that, there was a certain fear with Akram, right? I mean, and it continued, I mean, through, if, if until 99, 2003, even 2003 World Cup, 
whenever yeah, he had a fabulous start right again against australia he had a really good start against three wickets in pretty quick time right yeah and i was like whenever akram bowled especially against india i was shit scared that's the kind of fear that guy could get in you right not so much wakar i mean i don't know for why because wakar himself was a phenomenal bowler but uh, akram i guess had these uh, this magic that he could conjure that just made you like oh god he's going to get you and 99 india chennai test is a classic example right i mean akram like comes and gets that play lbw he gets that great dravid wicket and you know, he, he just does it all the time but that's the thing right like a lot of people if you ask them right they they may hate a lot of pakistani cricketers but when it comes to akram a lot of people are you know i don't know more forgiving uh, or or imran but everyone else like mianda shoaib imzi people might hate and dislike but people are very forgiving when it comes to akram or imran akram doesn't do anything other than just bowl he just let i mean the they they keep saying hey, let the ball do the talking that's all he does right people hate people hate players like mianda and moin moin khan another person because these guys are in addition to playing the game they're also constantly chirping doing other shit that drives people up akram on the other hand and probably uh, uh, imran because he's you know he's in a completely different uh, uh, sphere of you know society or what not where he you know he's 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 born and brought up to be polite and all that but akram on the other hand just bowls that's all he does and and i think interesting that sidvi also talks about why wakar is not in the same held in the same uh, level of reverence but akram had such wide variety of skills he had so many gears he could he could bowl off five paces and still get exactly so much and he could bat right he could bat really well i mean that doesn't matter with akram is really about what he does with the ball how can you talk of pakistan's world cup win without talking about rambo oh yeah absolutely i mean didn't rambo get uh, get out to a no ball in the final yeah yeah he gets he i think he goes for a square cut or something and and in fact uh, uh, i think the fielder tries to run him out as well if i'm not wrong yeah the fielder tries to run him out i think it was pringle was the bowler derek pringle and mm-hmm. uh, gives a catch to probably graham hick or something and then uh, yeah there's probably hick could try to run him out and uh, didn't didn't work no, but scored a, scored a very important 100 against new zealand in that league game as well right oh yeah yeah rambo i uh, that game that league game I mean, is uh, overshadowed by the semi-final and the final, but I think it deserves far, far more importance in the uh, history of uh, that World Cup. Uh, I mean, to go, the, be the only team to go to New Zealand to win that final league game, and when New Zealand very well, I mean, uh, of course, a lot depended on the Australia-West Indies result, but New Zealand had a good idea that if they lose this game. they got to play pakistan nockland you know they they were so good by sticking to the conventional i mean they in fact when everyone went in one direction pakistan would go in the other direction like 99 world cup they sent abdul razak to go and just uh, hang in there as the yeah. pinch blocker and the same thing in 92 i mean everyone is trying this pinch hitter and all that and all the other teams are being sucked into it but they just went the other way and they said you know we'll we'll do it our way and i think that's uh, that was really admirable other teams were just half assing it pakistan said okay do your thing we'll do our thing and they they did it i mean okay they had luck going their way and all that that's all uh, true but to actually you know i mean and i think that's where imran's sort of uh, you know the imran's greatness comes in as well right i mean you he won't be imran if he were to try and ape martin crow so he is imran because he is imran so uh, i think that's uh, that's the 
sort of uh, a great that's something that a great captain can bring as well and and it, it's amazing how uh, that particular world cup i think it's sort of it, i mean imran had done so much in his career right before that he'd been playing for so long but how that particular moment probably because it was his final uh, cricketing uh, sort of uh, thing or the world cup everything it's it that is now what defines him pretty much i mean people talk about imran they talk about the world cup and then they talk about everything else when in fact he has so that many... is so problematic right i mean he, he has the he has all the record in the world to stake claim to be the greatest cricketer of all time if if you can make a case for gary sobers to be the greatest you can make an easily good case for imran khan to be the greatest of all time uh, i don't know was it usman who wrote a piece on cricket for about uh, basically interviewing the players who were part of the squad about the mid inning speech that imran gave yeah, there yeah, were yeah. some people who found it very inspiring and there were some people who said he just said something and i didn't even understand i just went they didn't even they didn't even hear it yeah akit javed or mustaq one one of them said i didn't even hear it properly And the guy has one of the greatest test records of all time plus he's been a great captain for pakistan who went to west indies and and you know at their peak and challenge of course it's glorified i'm not denying it and there's a lot of reason it's like 2003 world or 99 world cup it's not like steve was australians were cruising they also i mean they had they carried zero points coming into the super six and they had to win all the matches and they won and went through so you can i can understand why let's say this glorified but when you look back at steve was career that is not the defining point of anything you you're talking about steve's test career more than anything else or his test captaincy reign and and uh, the the juggernaut australian test team of that time more than his world cup victory and that uh, sabina park uh, 100 oh yeah uh, the double 100 but let's put it this way if new zealand had won that world cup it, it would have and and i guess then uh, even now martin crowe is remembered for that world cup but i guess he would have been even more glorified for that world cup right but i think the difference there is that Uh, if you compare imran's career and martin crow's career imran's achievement uh, go far beyond that world cup but for martin crow that world cup was probably on par with several of his other achievements that could have been the peak but with imran it's it is very unfair to define this as a peak we cannot end this podcast without talking about the greatest india pakistan game oh yeah <laughs> i i think we no, have no no see there's other things yeah there's other things that uh, we haven't really spoken about as well jonty road's impact in the tournament okay this is no, where no. it all began right the legend of jonty began in this tournament if i remember there were two runouts one was inzi but there was one runout i think that is that was previous to this uh, the one game pre- prior to this as well i think but i'm not able to find the video i, I distinctly remember there were two runouts but only inzi's you know is still in our memories but i think that inzi run out uh, first of all i don't remember much of south africa in the league stages of the tournament uh, perhaps because they played a lot of uh, day night games and i was uh, away in school or perhaps because for whatever reason i i do remember catching a bit of highlights and uh, I think the India South Africa game Peter Kirsten played a good inning so I remember seeing that but this Jonty Rhodes run out of Inzama he didn't really need to run right I mean he he could have done any number of things to get that run out but I think what glorifies that moment is the fact that he chose to go with what he did and that's like I keep thinking about it you know as a fielder I mean Jonty didn't seem like a guy who I mean obviously at that point of time you're not thinking of uh, uh, things like showing off and all that but i'm just thinking you get the ball you have this guy run, to run out and one of the slowest i mean not like the greatest runners between the wicket and then he chooses to actually dive full length to break the stumps i'm like whoa i mean it's not even full length it's probably like three times full length right because that's how much yeah, that yeah. He, yeah he was flying he was just so I, 
I have I have a slightly different opinion about that, Sibi, uh, because see, one the thing is, yeah, we know now on hindsight that Inzi is not one of the better. I mean, he's not was never a good runner, but that was probably the, the first time he was playing South Africa was playing uh, Inzi, and we, he probably had not seen enough of Inzi before. The other thing is. Uh, John Rhodes has had a number of runouts where he has had a, taken a shy at the stumps uh, from point, you know. In a lot of times, it has been at the non-striker's end, not at the striker's end. So this time, right? So I, to me, I think uh, uh, he could have, you know, thrown it under arm, but he was still running. So, and if he had time to do an overarm throw, I think uh, then... Throwing down the stump would have been a better alternative, but I think since he did not have the time to do that and he had only an underarm throw that was possible, I think he's just trying to maximize his chances by going full length. But even after doing that, right, Inzi was just out of the grease. It was not a comfortable run out at all. I, I think another the thing is that it was the angle because he only had one stump yeah. play because he one was stump to look at, yes, perpendicularly. Right? So he was looking only at one stump, and so in his mind, he must have like because, like I'm saying, when he's from point when he's going to non-striker, he can hear, he can see three stumps. But this way, he was only looking at one stump, which is why I think he chose to fly into the stumps. Yeah, and also, which brings me to the photographic element of that World Cup. You know, I mean, that jaunty flying to the stumps. Wasn't there uh, a sports star uh, center spread on that? Yeah, they were, yeah I they have were. that, I think. There definitely was. And, yeah. uh, you know, almost like every morning, you open the newspaper to like a... a Pretty good photo, if not a great photo. And, uh, you know, even while watching on TV, you have all the banners and you have... There was a lot of uh, photographic elements to that whole World Cup compared to all the previous editions. I mean, uh, so I think uh, Jaunty Flying is definitely up there. And, And that was a phenomenal photograph. I mean, I don't know who took it, but there was that one photo that has the full effect of that, uh, that leap. And those were some really phenomenal photographs of that moment. Can we now talk about the greatest game? Well, I don't, again, I didn't watch much of the greatest game because I'm, it was a school day. What? I, I didn't because it was a school day and I came back. I remember I came back towards the last bit of it. and But I distinctly remember that Srinath ball to Miandad. I think it was a Yorker, but some people have told me it's not a Yorker and that Miandad made it into a Yorker. I missed that whole Miandad More exchange totally. I mean, oh. I, I only saw it later and uh, heard about it and all that. So, yeah, maybe maybe you guys should talk about that game rather than me. Well, that, that, yes. that game was the Ajay. Uh, I had never heard of Ajay Jadeja before, and that was the first time I had heard of, uh, I started, I, you know, I heard of Ajay Jadeja. And so, I remember that game for that reason. And then, of course, the uh, Srinath putting Miandar out of his misery. Because I think they lost also because of Miandar. Because they had to score, you know, they had to score like 200-something, 218-220. But Miandar was, was the one who was completely farming the strike. He was not able to touch anything. He was getting angry at everyone. And he was reverse <laughs> swearing people. So, Srinath basically put him out of his misery. I, I remember that from the... See, that's what... So, he, like, Sidwi, I was also at school. So, I I caught Pakistan's innings at home when I got back. And uh, so, that those are the things that I remember from that game. Uh, Mehandad's dismissal by Srinath, Srikant's catch. And, and I, I remember having seen 
jumping up and down live but curiously uh, afterwards in the highlights they never used to show that and yeah his whole tussle with more uh, was was interesting because like raju was bowling and therefore more was standing up and uh, his whole you know egging on of raju was was pissing off meander i mean yeah yeah the fact was meander was not able to get back to ball and you know he was not able to time things and he was already pissed off at himself and then with more egging raju more and more completely lost his yeah the thing one thing is that back at the time that was the first time india and pakistan were playing in the world cup so <clears throat> before the game all the talk was about uh, that you know that how surprising it is that there have been uh, so many world cups uh, played so far uh, you know uh, four world cups played and india and pakistan have never played against each other and in fact uh, the 87 world cup uh, there was a big hope that they would play the final in eden gardens and uh, everyone when they made the semi final everyone was hoping for an india pakistan final never happened so yeah this was the first time they were playing so that was uh, quite big it, but all the you know it's only subsequently that this whole india pakistan world cup record and all like you know has gathered a new meaning but at that time it was not like uh, you know um, that big a deal it was like oh, okay it's the first time great they're playing and all but uh, and, and i remember at the end of the world cup a lot of a lot of people were saying that okay pakistan won the world cup but india beat pakistan so taking some delight in the fact that we had beaten pakistan in the world cup as if that made india world champions or something like that okay so that was uh, the 1992 world cup podcast on 81 all out uh, we tried to cover as much as we could but as always there was plenty of more memories and plenty of more um, teams to discuss i'm sure uh, all our listeners can chip in either in the comment section or on twitter or uh, you know if you want uh, send do your own recording and uh, send it to us we'll be happy to share it with uh, everyone on social media uh, as always uh, you can follow us on itunes and uh, spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts or you can listen to us on our website 81allout.com and um, Uh, we hope to bring you more uh, world cup related uh, podcasts and keep listening thank you in the ashes and in the open we'll come back for the second india have won the test match 